from APM. This is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. In 2012, American Radio Works produced a documentary called Keyboard College. It was all about how digital technologies are changing the way many Americans go to college. From online learning to remedial classes, we asked whether innovations would help more people get access to college without sacrificing learning. But digital learning is happening earlier and earlier, way before college. Education apps can teach basic language and math skills to kids as young as two years old. In school, many educators are using digital technologies to enhance learning. First, there were smart boards, those interactive whiteboards in front of the class connected to computers. And now teachers often use smartphones and tablets as part of their lesson plans. They say it's just another tool to connect to young students, many of whom are digital natives. This has prompted a debate in education policy circles about teaching kids using screens versus good old-fashioned paper. Jeff Kaufman is a researcher at Carnegie Mellon University. He is the co-author of several recent studies on the topic, and he joins us on the podcast. Welcome. Hi, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So you're interested in looking at how young adults who are, as I say, often digital natives, how they think differently in response to technology. And one of your early studies looked at this in terms of how they play a game. Can you describe the game for us? We had investigated a game that was essentially a strategy board game about vaccination and disease spread. So if you imagine a grid of spaces, each one representing a person in a community, uh, the game works such that as the game unfolds, different diseases will appear or outbreaks will occur. And the player's job is to contain those outbreaks successfully by strategically placing vaccinations on certain spaces on the board. And so to do well in the game, you really have to understand the entire system, the entire grid of spaces and form your strategies based on sort of a long-term view of what the ultimate consequences might be for your decisions. And so if you prioritize a more localized strategy where you simply deal with new disease outbreaks as they occur in that local area and not considering the entire system, then you're much more likely to fail and and not win the game and not understand the the complexity or the interrelationship of the of the system that you're presented. And so in our early work, we looked at simply comparing a digital version of the game that was administered on an iPad uh, with a board game, a physical board game, and found striking differences in how players approached basically the same game experience. The only difference was what platform they were experiencing it in. And we found specifically that players on the iPad seemed to focus on more of those localized solutions. They weren't verbalizing or enacting strategies that took into account the entire system. So in, in our, our interpretation, they were focused more on sort of immediate local solutions and not global, broader solutions that would ultimately be successful in the game. And so what does that tell you? It gave us a hint that there could be some different default level of cognition being triggered by the digital platform. So that inspired us to do work to look at if this is a general phenomenon, is it the case that taking the same experience or stimulus or information and presenting it digitally versus non-digitally might have an impact on how people as a default approach or interpret that information. And what would be a sort of a practical or a real world, I mean, tell me a story about how that might play out. Sure. We were perceiving that there was a difference in the level of abstraction uh, that people were exhibiting in a digital format, specifically that they were exhibiting a lower level of abstraction and a higher prioritization of sort of concrete local details. So when we think about how we might process or interpret information, either information in, edu- in an educational context or problem-solving context, our brains have the ability to shift between focusing on the details of the situation, the concrete information, 
but also sort of the bigger picture of it as well. From our work, we were getting this hunch that digital formats were sort of deprioritizing or deactivating, so to speak, more abstract interpretations or construals and leading to a higher use or reliance on concrete interpretations. So in general, it's great to have flexibility to go between different levels of abstraction to really focus on the details, but also keep in mind the broader context or significance or implications of the information. And so the fact that perhaps digital platforms might be reducing that flexibility and leading to an emphasis on one over the other, for us, was sort of a warning sign that could have had vast implications for the way people take in and process information in a variety of contexts, including educational ones. Well, what would be, say, a given educational uh, consequence of this? How might one design a learning experience differently based on this knowledge? So based on our work, we did a bit of uh, research on this question to see how we might be able to prompt more sort of reflection. So the good news is that psychologists have developed a number of ways of mental tricks that people can engage in to get themselves to focus on abstract aspects or abstract interpretations of information. So simply, for example, asking yourself uh, why and why certain events happened or why certain information might be the way it is is enough to get you to start shifting your mindset more toward a more abstract focus on the information. There's some work suggesting if you physically step back from information or step back from a screen, for example, the more distance you have, no matter how that distance sort of manifests itself, that actually is a way to prompt you to have a higher level of abstraction when you focus on the information. Another study you did involved presenting people with a list of everyday behaviors. Can you um, briefly describe that one? Sure. So that was our very first study. So it's a scale that presents people with 25 everyday behaviors, and along with each one, a, a pair of options of how you could describe that action, one concrete and one abstract. So to give you one example, one item might say, you might think about the activity of locking your door, locking your front door. And you couldn't construe that behavior as turning a key, uh, which is more concrete, or securing your home, which would be more abstract. Participants have to make a choice of which of those two descriptions, in their mind, is a better one for that action in, in, in this moment. And so we found if we had simply administered that scale on an iPad, participants showed a reduced preference for the abstract alternative uh, and a greater preference for concrete interpretations. Tell me about the, uh, the, the research you did as part of this involving uh, facts about cars, about automobiles, and what you found from that with the study participants. Yeah, absolutely. So we used a problem-solving task, and essentially the task is an information overload scenario where you're basically giving individuals a ton of information about four different car models, uh, so fictitious car models, uh, basically you're presenting them with cells of information where it presents which car model is being the focus, uh, what, the, what a certain attribute is, uh, attributes like mileage, for example, uh, and where that car model stands on that specific attribute. And so essentially what other work has shown is that on that task, if you focus too much on the details, if you get hung up on each piece of information and try to isolate it and, and analyze each one separately as it's, as it's presented to you, you're much less likely to discern which of the four car models is objectively better. In contrast, if you take a more gist level of processing where you're focusing on more abstract interpretations, you're much more likely to discern which of those categories are the most important. Uh, so for example, mileage is objectively more important for evaluating the quality of a car than say the presence of cup holders. And so in our study, we simply administered that, that task, information presentation task about those cars either on an, a laptop screen or a paper printout. 
and found essentially that as a default, people did much worse in, in figuring out the problem if they were looking at the information on a screen compared to a paper printout. Did you do this with young people? Because, um, I mean, I'm much better at editing words on paper than I am on a screen. Uh, is that just because I'm an old guy? <laughs> so the vast majority of our participants were in, in their 20s, and they had. We asked them to to self-report how much experience they had working with different technologies, uh, different digital technologies, and we found overall that most of our participants had vast experience, almost daily use of tablets or laptops. Probably not surprisingly. Uh, so essentially, these were all people who had a lot of experience, and, and the study was run at Dartmouth College, and we can assume based on the fact that that all the students are given laptops on day one of their college experience, so they all have extensive experience dealing with digital technologies uh, in various forms. So essentially, we are seeing that these, these results held even with this sample of participants who were highly skilled with digital tech. What does this mean for teachers, um, how they should present information, and what does it mean, do you think, for students and how they should, I don't know, organize and study information? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there are a lot of implications for and maybe some sort of cautionary tales about how we might consider information. The fact that a lot of information is being delivered digitally, uh, whether the textbooks or research articles or homework assignments or note taking, all these things are happening increasingly through digital devices and screens. And so our work would suggest that it's sort of a mix of platform to get for example, to get students to print out reading material and read it both digitally and non-digitally to sort of shift between those different levels of focus. Uh, we're currently doing some work looking at whether, say, note-taking or writing digitally versus non-digitally has any impact on the way people process information. So eventually we might, we might show that note-taking on, on paper might actually lead to better information for certain aspects of materials. The broader lesson is when you're interested in sort of details of facts of information, for example, specific facts about history, uh, and your goal is simply to get students to, to remember and memorize or learn those facts, then digital technologies might be quite well suited for that task. But if you want students to think about, say, the broader context, the broader narrative in which those historical events occurred, or their broader meaning, how they might connect to, say, current events or uh, some threads throughout history, that simply processing that information digitally might actually not be conducive to that type of thinking, that we need to build in opportunities for reflection, either by shifting platforms, so that's the, the low-level solution and the one that we would be implied directly from our work, to shift between looking at information digitally and non-digitally, as I was mentioning earlier, to simply finding ways of building in strategic moments for reflection where you specifically prompt students to reflect on why um, or the broader context or the implications of information in assignments or in digital textbooks themselves, for example. Those will be ways to sort of counteract this sort of default tendency that we're seeing. Has this changed how you teach and what how you advise your students to take notes and to study and to review what they've done? Absolutely. Just yesterday, I was having a conversation with a student I'm advising, and she expressed some difficulty actually reading empirical research articles and computer science and psychology on screens. And she was she was reporting how she was spending hours reading these articles because she was getting hung up on sort of the minutia, the details of the story. And that sort of immediately set off, in my mind, the red flag that, well, you should try printing out the article. And actually, she's reported doing that. And she's actually seeing reporting seeing greater connections between what she's reading and other, and other pieces that she's read recently when she's able to sort of lay them out physically and sort of actually get her mind to focus on those connections and those interrelationships between uh, different articles or different pieces. 
I suspect your research is going to be really unpopular with the zero waste movements going on on college campuses across the country. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Which is why we're looking at also studying not just this idea of shifting platforms, but as I was mentioning, think putting in or designing in ways to encourage more abstract thinking in digital formats. We realize this is not a great sustainable solution to encourage everyone just to print everything out. It's not going to be a feasible solution long term. Jeff Kaufman is a professor at the Human Computer Interaction Institute at Carnegie Mellon University. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. You can find a link to Kaufman's work and to our documentaries about digital learning in college and in the K-12 environment. Keyboard College and One Child at a Time are at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. While you're there, you can listen to our archive of more than 100 documentary projects. We'd love to hear what you think about American Radio Works. Leave us a review on iTunes or let us know at AmericanRadioWorks.org, where you can click on the About page and scroll down to share your impact story. We are on Facebook at American.RadioWorks and on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from Lumina Foundation, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM. <laughs>